Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we'll be talking about the most anticipated movie of the decade. And no, actually, this is the, one of those rare occurrences where you can say it's not hyperbole, because we're going to be reviewing and discussing Avengers Endgame, a movie that's been in the making since Iron Man 1 in 2008. That's right. This is a film that has uh, spanned 11 years of filmmaking over the course of 22 films, and it just made $350 million at the U.S. box office, beating the previous record holder by like $100 million, which was Avengers Infinity War. So, uh, big movie. Big movie. I'm sure if you're listening, you've probably almost certainly already seen it. But uh, nonetheless, we're going to start with a spoiler-free uh, review and then jump right into some spoiler-filled conversation and analysis. And joining us today for our review uh, of this galactic-sized movie <laughs> is uh, our very own soundtracks, Alexandra, Bo, Hannon, Alexandra. Welcome to the Cinematic Schematic. Hi. And we're getting having you on to review a movie. It's yes. Like, I think the last one you reviewed was like Deadpool 2. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a hot and fresh time for a hot and fresh take on uh, Avengers Endgame here. Um, yeah, no, I, I I hesitate like saying anything because like I feel like anything could be a spoiler. Like Any, I don't want to ruin anyone's experience. Anything. With this movie. Uh, you know, uh, Tony Stark said something witty. Oh my god! Sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, Alexandra hosts uh, Soundtrack, which is yes. our film uh, score analysis segment of the Cinematic Schematic. So, yes, um, yes. And we covered um, the Marvel franchise at length. And I, I'm happy to report in this film that I feel like it rectified a lot of my issues with the, the previous scoring as well. So, yes. yeah. So, two thumbs up there. Uh, yeah, we're looking at you, Al, Al and Silvestri. So, thanks for that. But yeah. Alrighty. So for more on that, I'm going to go ahead and link the episode in which we discuss the MCU film scores uh, in the show notes today. But we're also joined by another very special guest. Uh, she's a returning guest, and uh, I would call her the resident superhero movie fan extraordinaire, Chelsea Radman from Geek Girl Features. Chelsea, welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic. Greetings. Thank you so much for having me. I am so ready. I've been waiting for this movie. Like you said, 10 years. Let's have it. Like yeah. basically our entire young adulthoods. Absolutely bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, everyone, I do want to remind you, if you're listening to the Cinematic Schematic today, that you can find us uh, more of our work all over at thecinematropolis.com uh, or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at the Cinematrop or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Cinematropolis. Uh, without further ado, let's just go ahead. We've got so much to cover. I'm not joking when I say galactic size. This movie I is mean, jam-packed, stuffed to the, the at a, brim for three hours. It's a three-hour movie. We should have a three-hour podcast, right? I mean, we does sh- everyone sound great? Uh, just oh, hour yeah. by yeah. hour, take by take. Yeah, it'll be like a commentary track. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah, a commentary exactly. track. <laughs> it's what you I'm joke. Saying. We might have to do one of those one day. Oh, that'd be fun. But uh, yes, not today. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and jump right into our spoiler-free review of... Avengers Endgame. God, seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave. Became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. The world has changed. None of us can go back. All we can do is our best. And sometimes the best that we can do 
is to start over. I saw all these people die. I keep telling everybody they should move on. Some do. So after the devastating effects of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe. Let's just jump right into it. High level, thumbs up, thumbs down. We're going to start the top and drill way down. But first and foremost, I have to know. Do you think it lived up to the hype and the anticipation, Alexandra? That's a that's a big that's a big question to kind of start off with. I believe absolutely it does, and I am a pretty frequent critic of the MCU as a franchise and what they've kind of done to modern filmmaking for the past ten years. Um, I I agree that it lives up to the hype, and I also believe that it brings it all to a satisfying conclusion, wraps up loose ends in a way that doesn't feel like it's all quite putting a bow on it, and. Uh, yeah, I think it really it really does it for me. Okay. Top Chelsea? Level. Yeah, no, I, I think it was a fantastic film. Um, I think that this one actually lived up to the hype for me. Infinity War, because we all get... I mean, we all know we have the press notes. We have the Comic-Con releases. And so we knew originally it was a part one, part two situation. No, this so. is a, two separate films. Two, two Kevin se- Feige. No, no, no. Those were always two separate films. Oh, what yeah. a, oh, it was. So the marketing, everything for Infinity War absolutely just destroyed the hype for me because I was like, they're building it as the end. It's not the end. This one was the end. This one lived up to the hype. I was super satisfied with the conclusion for this for 10 years of filmmaking. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you guys too. Uh, Chelsea, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I, I think you and I have this in common. I was not, I, there were things about infinity war that were really cool, but overall I thought it was kind of a mess and man, I, I that ending, uh, to infinity war really did not do it for me in the way that I think it was intended to do it for me. Uh, because we all know how these contracts work. We know how comic books work, like all yep. of it. I was like, man, if only I lived in a reality in which I believed this could possibly happen. <laughs> Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a mediocre. It, all the whole film felt like it was gearing up to have this film. Yes. And great payoff in this film. But it just felt like we were biting our time. It's like, OK, we need to get to the point where the, that big thing happens. And then. Ta-da. So I'm not going to lie. I, I, I've, I've been thinking about this for a few days since, since I caught the film uh, on opening night, Thursday night. And uh, I kind of think maybe they should have made it a, an Infinity Wars trilogy or something because we'll get into it. I think Endgame's hugely satisfying. I loved it. All the things, all my criticisms I had, all the things for me that I like in the MCU that was missing from Infinity War, which was quite a lot. The, the character interactions, how these themes butt up against each other, the, the, these ideas the characters represents butt up against each other. Um, uh, a lot of the character interactions, pairings that we've seen, were, were all missing from the last film. And I just thought it was, there was too much going on. There was too many characters. It felt like a really, the way it was structured was like a Game of Thrones episode, which was really weird for a big screen film. And uh, I do think the MC was very hard to critique sometimes, Specifically, part one and part two, because neither mm-hmm. one of them feel like their own movie per se. Although I think Endgame's a better, much better beginning, middle, and end than Infinity War. I feel like Infinity War is part one of a uh, season finale of a TV show, and Endgame is the part two, the climactic piece of the season finale. And uh, you know, because like I just in, Infinity War felt incomplete. 
Absolutely. cliffhangers. Yes. You know it's not going to stick. So it felt like a commercial break or your week-long break that lasted, you know, a year. <laughs> it, was, right. it was very um, penultimate episode of Game of Thrones. Absolutely. Yes. yes. <laughs> we yeah. get all of the big stuff at the end in that one. And then, well, season finale, we get... Some consequence, some conclusion, some some conclusion. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, again, Infinity War. I, I think it's grown on me a little bit over time, but I still don't think it's great. And I think the thing these films have in common is that it's really hard to critique them as films. No. It's weird. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, because more of a mini series shown in theaters. Yes. Yeah, a <laughs> yeah. mini series shown in theaters in which you have to have seen several of the previous films leading up to it. Again, TV show. I, I think mm-hmm. so. It's it, it's really kind of for me, maybe rethink how I evaluate movies as a critic and like, what, how do you talk about these films in, yeah. a, in a way that, 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 uh, allows us to, allows to me to be critical of the film, but also like appreciate this thing for what it is. And, um, this film in game, I, I feel like it was way more fulfilling mm-hmm. characters, uh, arcs came to a conclusion. Um, all the things that were missing yeah. present here. And I do think despite it kind of like picking up on the cliffhanger from the last film, I think it, does feel like it has a pretty cohesive beginning, middle, and end, both to this movie and to the last 11 years of filmmaking. Um, so let's say we're all feeling satisfied, right? Yeah. Sounds like. Uh, what are some things we maybe didn't love about Endgame? Yeah, um, I had a joyous occasion talking on Good Trash Media's Captain Marvel review and analysis, very much lighter on the review and more about film analysis on that piece. Um, But Kirsten Thurkelson and Aaron and myself all had similar qualms uh, about Captain Marvel. And all of my problems that I have with Captain Marvel going into this movie only shown out more and I feel much more validated in my review. Basically, I feel um, Captain Marvel, I admire her very much as a character, but I feel like she is not given as much to do in terms of character growth. She she does not have levels and basically her plot from Captain Marvel, even though the film was enjoyable and I thought it was a really great film um, in itself, seeing a woman do all this stuff that we normally see Thor and, and like you know, eviscerate spaceships. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of that was really great in Captain Marvel. But the thing is, is like because she already entered the field at such a peak of her character development she has nowhere else to kind of grow to um in terms of character issues like i think it would be really interesting to see plots similar to she's so she has so many great powers and i am never gonna ding her for being like have a lot of power and like superhero ability but maybe giving her issues to wrestle with like we have with superman or dr manhattan um from watchmen about am I really, I'm kind of a low key, a God on this planet. So what does that mean for me with great power comes great responsibility. We don't see any of that kind of emotional struggle. And so whenever she shows up and she does her thing, it just feels just like she's, she's being, she has a lot of power, but we don't ever have like a conversation about what her power means. Like we do with a lot of the other characters in the film. I wonder how much of that is because Captain Marvel itself was developed after the Infinity War um, and Endgame mm. set. So we were seeing a lot of her development happen. It happened after Infinity War was written and Endgame was written and all that was filmed. Yeah. So they're like the character development in Endgame we saw with her character is pre-development that we haven't really even seen her character really yet. Yeah. But also like she was basically introduced to serve a purpose in this film, but we don't yeah. get her overall character development. I'll put it this way as it regards to Captain Marvel one, she had a freaking rad as she had a rad as hell haircut in in, in, in game. 
Yeah, uh, I, I like it. <laughs> Two, I'm most excited, because I don't think she was super, I mean, she was used in this film as when they needed her. I'm right. excited to see Captain Marvel 2, because I feel like we got all the housekeeping stuff out of the way for Captain right. Marvel 1. They used her as an Avenger when they needed her in this film, so I feel like, to your point, Alex, yeah. I'm excited to see where they take that in the next. Yeah, and I can, and the thing I always have to keep reminding myself is it's hard, like, for me, I mean, granted, Black Widow never got a movie, but, like, with Thor, Cap, and Iron Man, like, kind of, like, the big three heavy hitters, they all had almost three movies to kind of explore some of their character motivations and work stuff out. We get, like, character motivations, we explore them as who they are and all this stuff, so it is hard to kind of compare. It's, like, a person that only had one film that it gets is obviously we know she's going to be in this film, like in Endgame, And we already know she's going to be from the post-credit stringer on um, Infinity War that she's going to be in that film um, in the series at that point. So it's just, I, I know it's hard kind of like we're comparing her to against people that had like lots and lots of years of character development. Um, but that's still at the same thing. Like, I don't know if there was any she, fixing that. She didn't know? really come to Avengers Infinity War with as much invested yeah. from the audience mm-hmm. as I yeah. mean, we had to, before Avengers one, even we had one character movie with each character and then Iron Man actually had two films yeah. before mm-hmm. Avengers one. And then okay, of course between yeah. Avengers two, everyone got a movie and we even got a Guardians film in there. So now I see what you're saying. So it sounds like maybe Captain Marvel, the use of Captain Marvel, or are you saying are you saying her specifically or is this something you felt like was consistent with other characters as well? Well, I, I mean, like, going into Endgame, like, uh, and Infinity War in general, I felt like I knew who uh, Black Panther was. Like, I felt like I knew the, who those characters were, but I, for some reason, some of that, like, same kind of character development, they, I mean, Black Panther only had, he only had one film, so... Like something is something is missing. I don't know what it is. I mean, I, it's not within my pay grade to know what it is with Captain Mar- Captain Marvel. Um, I hope they figure it out because she's really freaking cool. <laughs> you know, I really like her. I mean, her use in the in Infinity War is fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's yeah, it's really interesting. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, Chelsea, did you have any specific critiques of the film at all, or? How to not? And you've seen talk this now twice. Spoilers. I have seen it twice. Oh yeah, I'm curious on second go how it reads. It is. It is it, watching it the second time because you obviously know you know the plot points, like the beats of the movie, and so you get a little bit chance to kind of be out of it and like react differently and mm-hmm. analyze it as it's going. So how to talk without spoiling anything? Um, my there's some science in the movie that they don't quite follow their own science. Um, oh yeah, I was kind of wondering hugely. that. Like, oh yeah, I've got I'm trying I've, to keep track of that in the middle of watching it the first time. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't. yeah the the best way to keep track of it is don't. Yeah, just don't. So like my Doctor Who fans out there, um, just all your timey wimey, you have to leave it at the door. Um, yeah, <laughs> leave it at the door. And then we had like you were talking um, Captain Marvel. We had a couple of characters that were really underserved. Yeah. Um, really that I think turned into butts of jokes that mm. turned into um some real disappointing ending to their character arcs that um I think that in further analysis of the movie later on, I think that Marvel in attempting to maybe correct some problems that they like criticisms that they've had have kind of exacerbated some of their problems. Mm. I think I know, yeah. They're, they're over overcorrect. They're overcorrecting, you think, maybe. With with female characters, yeah. Yeah, there there oh. is some issues of female characters. We're going to talk usually. about... Okay, I'm really glad I can ask you guys about... I know what you're talking about. Listeners, hang on. We're going to come back to that because yeah. I, I know what you're talking about and I really wanted to get you guys' take on it. Um, okay, uh, so my again, my critique is just that this is... I do think it's kind of messy. Um, here's the mm-hmm. thing. There's so much crammed into this three hours. I mean, like when I walked to the theater, I was like, man, I got 
guys, that's a lot of movie to like, just chew on for. I mean, there's just by the time you get to the end of the film, so much has happened. You kind of forget the beginning of the movie. So it's like having to process this movie actually takes a good chunk of t- uh, brain space and time. Um, but I don't know. A lot of the plots are kind of like thrown together in a way. Most of it works. Some of it works. Some of it works better than other places. Um, at the end of the day, I think what I had to accept was what did I really want for this movie? Uh, and I think emoti- for me, emotional satisfaction. We've invested in this for eleven years. Uh, being emotionally satisfied with and, and feeling like the characters uh, whose arcs concluded in this film were true to who they were uh, was really important to me, and feeling like a sense of completion because my, most Marvel films generally feel like they're commercial for another Marvel film. Pretty yeah, coming up. Right. yeah. And this film did not. I mean, yeah, sure. There's characters they throw in there, and there's definitely where things leave off. You're like, ooh, I can't wait to see that story and that where it picks up, but, right? Yeah. But I didn't feel like it was. I was being oversold or like that it was uh, like Avengers uh, Age of Ultron for example I just rewatched that film recently there's been a lot of appreciation for that movie recently and I just rewatched it and I gotta say I don't know if I quite see it I, I, pre- I did enjoy it on my rewatch last week infinitely more than I enjoyed it watching it the first time I did enjoy it more than I did the first time too I th- that, that was the only Avengers movie I watched it once and I was like I don't need to see it again so I, mm-hmm. I, I gave it another go last week and I will say I did like it better but it's also a mess. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I feel like this is a, that's an example of a film or maybe even Iron Man 2 where it's like, all right, we got to throw in all these extra characters and set up the next plot of the movie. I mean, in, in, uh, I mean, Age of Ultron, there was an entire sequence with Thor that was basically like, stay tuned, check out our Infinity War movie that's coming soon mm-hmm. near you. You know, I didn't feel, I feel like this movie is that the priority was bringing conclusion to a lot of these arcs and wrapping up the uh, quote-unquote Infinity Saga, as uh, producer Kevin Feige calls it. Um, I think Thanos works really well in this film. Uh, I wasn't sure at first how well he was going to work in this film. Agreed. And uh, there was a period for a good solid half of the movie where I was like, I'm not so sure about this, but I I think uh, he gets some really, Josh Brolin gets some really great material near the end of the film where I was like, wow, this guy's God complex is off the radar. It's, it's great. And it's great. Just, he, he does fantastic. Um, uh, so I feel pretty positive, but I do think it's just really sloppy. I think there's so much they're trying to throw in here. Not, and it's not, not things they are throwing in here to promote other movies. Just there's just had, they just had so much, so many storylines and threads to wrap up that I feel like a lot of times it kind of, it just happens so fast and there's so much of it. Um, that's not a criticism because sometimes sloppy movies are kind of fun. Um, some of the core plot elements of this film, sloppy as all get out, but I'm so glad they're there. So we'll, we'll talk about that in spoilers. So I guess my biggest criticism is just that it's a three-hour movie that is very overindulgent and doesn't really care. <laughs> but at the same time, that's also simultaneously why part of why I like it. Because it's like fan service, or in a yeah. good, but in a good positive yeah, way. Yeah, it is, and it, it yeah. definitely does deliver on the uh, emotional promise that we've had over twenty two movies. So it's it was a good good conclusion. Absolutely. Uh, well, we have a lot to talk about in spoilers, so let's just go ahead and make our recommendations right now. So a reminder for our listeners: we don't do number uh, reviews. Uh, we kind of make recommendations based on how you should see the film. So do you purchase the film? At, do you not only do you out, go out and see this film? Uh, you know, and, and premium seating, but you're going to buy it when, uh, the day it comes out on digital or, or home video. Uh, full price, it says it's like a VIP experience where you go to the Dolby Theater or the IMAX Theater. Uh, matinee, self-explanatory. Do you wait until you con- until it's on streaming services, uh, Disney Plus inevitably? 
Um, or is this totally just a skippable film? Because I know none of us ever want to see this film again, especially not the person who's seen it twice. Oh, I know. So definitely oh, not that. I think I might have a screening lined up next week. <laughs> <laughs> so Chelsea, uh, in yeah. preparation for your third uh, outing, uh, how would you recommend the film? Um, go watch it on the biggest screen with the loudest speakers possible. Um, so much is happening. You want to just be immersed in the experience. And then when it comes out, buy it. Buy it and buy Disney Plus. So just like have it on multiple platforms. Mm. <laughs> there you go. I'm very guilty of that. Alexandra? Um, definitely full price it in theater in whatever amazing VIP venue you would like. Um, we definitely went and had margaritas before we went and watched it. That would, was would recommend. Highly recommend. It was yeah. oh man. There's some movies got, that doesn't work for. Dude, yeah. <laughs> it got us like right there. Like yeah, right it was at the level. Perfect. It was um, great. But yeah, definitely that. Um, in terms of buying, I would say if you're a completionist, definitely it's for you. Um, if you are new to the Marvel 22 film franchise, like and never have seen a single one before, obviously don't buy it. Like it won't make a lick of sense. I mean, it will ish, but like in terms of the emotional resonance. So definitely if it's for you, you know it already and you're going to buy it and you're going to see it in theaters on the biggest screen possible. Like five times. Five times. Yeah. Minimum. Uh, yeah, I second Alex. And I, all of the opinions. Um, yeah. I, I think. I mean, listen. I stopped buying all the Marvel films a while ago because I, I just realized that some of them, some of them, I didn't like as much as others. I was a completionist until like midway through Phase Two, and I was like, actually, I don't like some of these that I'm yeah. buying. So that said, I think yeah. I mean, I've seen it in IMAX. I'm already lining up uh, Dolby for next weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm very excited about the Dolby experience. And. Uh, yeah, I'm probably this might this this is going to be one that I will probably buy and or watch frequently on Disney Plus. So uh, yeah, highest recommends. And here's and, and outside of just the fact that it's a wildly entertaining blockbuster that's filled with emotional payoff for fans and enough uh, entertainment for kind of casual watchers. This is like the Super Bowl, the, guys. This is a cultural event. I made the joke on Facebook. I created a life event and said, oh, surely <laughs> as important that. as uh, going to college, having kids, getting married, buying a house. But um, so it's a little it was a little bit smug. But I do think this is a moment in pop culture. There was like Titanic. Um, I mean, I think Lord of the Rings to a certain degree. Force Awakens. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, I was uh, I was Harry talking about the end of Game of Thrones. The end of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Game of yeah. Thrones ending. Harry Potter mm-hmm. coming to an end. Uh, I was. I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and I was trying, I was like, it's kind of like Woodstock, but not like Woodstock. But I, cause I was trying to think of like another non movie thing, but it's like a thing that's going to be, I feel like is going to be referenced as you guys remember when Avengers Endgame came out and like the whole world was going bonkers about it. Literally the entire planet. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what a good movie analog would be, but like, just think of it as a huge cultural touchstone, whether or not you like it. That's I, it's, this is a thing that happened in our culture that clearly Marvel brought in 22 movies worth of story into one big epic conclusion that basically everybody talked about. And somehow, other than like one link that got shut down really quickly, there's basically been no spoilers out there. So hats off to everybody. Um, all right. So last question before spoilers, though. Do we think that it is even possible for another movie to be able to top both the scope and box office results of Avengers Endgame in the future? We'll see when uh, the last uh, Skywalker comes out. Is it the last last Skywalker? Uh, Rise, Rise of the Skywalker. Rise of the Skywalkers. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got Avatar 2 coming up. Are mm. we Are we going to have a, a redo of Avatar? Are we... I, I think that potentially, now that we're seeing the audiences show up in these kind of droves, I think that there's potential. 
I will just also say this. Inflation. I did. I, I thought if you would ask me, even when you asked me a few months ago, I, I said there's no way Avengers is going to outgross Avatar. Which, by the way, Avatar made two point seven billion dollars. Which, I mean, I still don't know how that we that made that much money in what two thousand ten. It was very um, odd. It was it was crazy. I was like that. That is a baffling, astounding number. But then it made over a billion dollars worldwide in its first weekend, and I was like, huh. I guess it could happen, <laughs> and and so yeah, maybe maybe an Avatar movie, maybe. yeah, maybe, yeah. I think it would take a James Cameron to really. I mean, I, I'd love this. I'd love to think the Rise of Skywalker will do it, but I gotta I gotta admit, I don't think the enthusiasm is quite as big as it was for the Force Awakens, and the this one beat Force Awakens. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, Star Wars is fantastic, but I don't think. I mean, don't chase me down the street on this one. I don't know if Star Wars has quite the cultural impact right now that we're seeing from Marvel and Marvel is literally every age group. Mm. That's the thing. They've kind of covered every demographic at this point. So yeah, it's what they've pulled off is an achievement. And I don't know, someone said a, a cinematic achievement. I'd say, I don't know about that, but I would say it's an achievement in film producing yeah. that they have a cohesive 22 million or 22 story film. Anyway, another conversation. We got tons of spoilers to talk about. Yes. Uh, so if you do not want to be spoiled on Avengers Endgame, tune out now, but really tune out now. Don't spoil the end game. Don't do it. Don't spoil the end game. I'm watching you. Don't spoil the end game. I'm watching you. Seriously. Don't spoil the end game. So I don't want to do a scene-by-scene recap here, so I'm going to try to keep it to some specific questions before we get into some of the thematic stuff that I think is really, really powerful in this film. Yes. But I have to say, this movie, the outcome was not too much different than I was expecting. Like the actual like final moments. I mean, it was, I knew something to the effect of cap retiring slash dying. I, I actually had it backwards. I said, well, Iron Man's going to have a kid and retire and cap's going to sacrifice himself. Mm -hmm. And it it was reverse. Um, so that was, didn't surprise me. Uh, Thor going with the the guardians that did surprise me and I'm super hell excited for it. On board. (laughs) Um, but I will say the journey to that conclusion was wildly different than I expected. Um, whenever they went and killed Thanos in like the first 10 minutes of the movie, I was like, what What? is this even going to be about anymore? Agreed. Um, and holy crap, that was just crazy. So what, so what did you guys think? Like when this was happening, like what was your reaction? Did you start like theorizing your brain? What was happening next? Like what, what was going on? Well, for me, I, I actually am so it was, I wasn't, I didn't even go for like theorizing or anything. I just like, was like, thankful because i was like everyone's like oh they're just gonna get the infinity gauntlet get the time stone and and go back in time and everyone's (laughs) safe you know like everyone kept saying that saying that saying that and so now that we just have a total subversion of expectations then we get the five years later card dude that was crazy yeah that was crazy and i think that's actually a big part one of the reasons i really love the movie too yeah because they actually had to like live with that for five years and you got to see like how the events actually changed them yeah we hoped like i i mean I, that was one of my big, big hopes and dreams and wishes for 
this this movie or whatever to explore some of the ideas of, and themes of trauma and of like this kind of uh, coming together despite trauma and in like your solidarity for this big thing happening. Like I love all of those themes and I didn't actually expect we would explore any of them and we super did and yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, I, I thought we were going to get a couple of sad scenes with the Avengers like weeping over the dead or something like that. Yeah. I did not expect us to have like basically an entire like 30 minutes of this movie dedicated to like before they even like set foot into the time machine, like you've got all the characters seeing where they're at and you've got Paul Rudd coming back and him and you get to kind of witness with him, like what has happened to this world yeah. in five years and the fact that they have that huge memorial with the van called, you know, with the, I think they the called the vanished. Yeah, yeah. Which feels kind of realistic and really oh, sad. Yeah. Um, I just, wow. Wow. I was so surprised. The memorial. Holy shit. Wow. That was so, uh, there was such so many good little moments that like you, you were set up for an expectation and then they just flipped it on you. Yes. And I love, I love it when yes. filmmakers do that. Chelsea, what did you think of this? Like, Hey, we're going to kill Thanos in the first 10 minutes. I was not expecting it. Um, I feel like because I spent so much time in the depths of the internet, like reading all the theories, like I don't feel like I was like super shocked at a lot of the major, like five years later, Tony Stark has a kid, like all these things, like, because I'd read them. So like, I was like, eh, they could happen, but there was a lot that happened like specifically with, and this is like, it's going to go back into my um, issues with the science of it, but having characters coming forward, like Thanos, I mean, we, we getting back. Oh yeah. Yeah. He comes back and in a really weird way that very, I was not yeah, expecting. Odd way. Yeah. Um, where was I? Yeah. Science. Um, and a lot of the touching on really the greatest hits, yes. um, I thought was really fantastic. Okay, I say greatest hits. We did have a Thor of the Dark World bit, so like not so greatest hits, but <laughs> that's okay. Of all the movies for them to go back to, I was like, they're going back to Thor the, the Dark, Dark World, <laughs> right? But I mean, it was it was the correlation to the ether, so it worked. So it was kind of nice to kind of. Marvel's going to even touch on the ones they know didn't work. Maybe <laughs> they re- maybe that somehow retroactively makes it a less bad movie. No. <laughs> Like, they wasted Christopher Eccleston. Like what? They, they did wait, waste Christopher Eccleston. Oh God. Okay. Okay. We got to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I just have to say, and also the, the manner in which they killed Thanos, like they just showed up and like obliterated him. Like Captain Marvel flies in and like and lasers him and he's already kind of roasted from using the infinity gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Thor just, and then your thought is, Oh man, get his hand, get his head or whatever. And then, you know, following up kind of the, the thing that Thor messed up in the last movie was he went for the chest kind of as an act of like catharsis, like I'm going to get revenge and watch you die sort of thing. In this movie, he just cuts the hand right off and you're like, why didn't you do that in the first place? Whoa. Yeah. 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 <laughs> level, level of gore in a Marvel movie. There was actually a surprising like, lot of blood in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, but so if, if, if Endgame had happened or if Infinity War had happened in um, phase two, we would have lost an arm earlier because of the whole um, Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> homages. Um, but I think Thor was honestly the most surprising character in terms of his character oh, yeah. arc. Oh, yes. God, that Riley was, different. Okay. Because, yes. okay, so he cuts the guy's hand off and he cuts his head off, which again, decapitation. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, how he just, like, coldly, Metal. like, flies off and you're like, shit. He's like, I, he's like, I aim for the head and then just leaves. And that's when it blurs and jumps ahead. But to see how he was impacted by the PTSD of that whole event. Because, oh, yeah. see, again, it's like coming to terms with the consequences, which was basically almost his entire race was wiped out. Uh, mm-hmm. was wiped out. He lost his brother. Uh, he Then he, like, took it out and got vengeance on his enemies. But then, like, what's that do to a guy, you know? Yeah. He's basically a, basically an orphan with a tiny group of people. Yeah. Antaika yeah. Waititi. 
Yeah. He, I mean, living with the guilt of the fact that he thinks all of that crux, like, was resting on him as a god, like, and he fucked up. Like, he, he, like, living with that day in and day out, and that's why he's, like, drinking and playing Fortnite. He's playing Fortnite. That's the only, only people who had Fortnite, or what what was his screen name? He had a screen name. Crap, I should have called it. Oh, it was something, something 69. 69. No, that was the other guy. The The, the new, new guy, 69. I don't even know what it was. It was something else. Guys, that was hilarious, by the way. (laughs) Um, And then the way that he was just fat the whole movie. (laughs) Yeah, he was fat the whole movie. I thought they might have a training montage, and he'd, like, Get like more th- no, but he was just thick. Or he'd like Thor. snap his finger and get skinnier. Like, yeah, like when he when he when he does like summon the thunder later in the movie and he, you, the costume. I was like, oh, he's gonna get skinny. You would have figured like the caloric burn, just oh, the yeah. summoning the lightning would have done it. But and I I think that that was kind of my issue a little bit with Thor was he kind of turned into the butt of the joke for a lot of the audience, mm. which it was an interesting move that they made with his character. But I think that potentially Marvel kind of aired a little bit keeping it so long into the movie. Okay, I have okay, I have mixed feelings about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but first and foremost, I mean, this is, again, a larger MCU conversation, but how interesting was Thor really before Ragnarok? Let's be Not, honest. Wasn't. because I've never seen a Thor movie besides Ragnarok. I mean, the, the, the first <laughs> movie is half of a great movie. Yeah. Like, half of a great movie. And yeah. then the other half is of what, yeah, it's just, it's what, it, it's, you're like, what, what are we watching right yeah. now? The second movie is, yeah. Yeah. Notice Natalie Portman never comes back until this movie, which I'm pretty convinced was actually reused footage. It was all, it was a deleted scene that they didn't use for the dark, the dark world. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much money she made off of that scene that they put in the movie. Yeah. Um, but enough to show up at the premiere. And yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so Ragnarok made him funny and comedic. And I think, you know, as much as I thought, I did think it was really weird that there was a huge shift all of a sudden. I think the comedy bit works better. I know, uh, Chris Hemsworth is much happier with it. Yes. Than he was. He's been Deep pretty out crying. talking about how he yeah. didn't feel like he knew what to do with the character after the second movie. So they do lean into the comedy very heavily. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of strange that he's overweight the whole movie. But at the same time, I find him in this movie and the impact of you know earlier films really hitting him hard in this way more interesting than anything we saw in the first two movies easily. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, he does kind of feel like the butt end of a joke. But I think at this point, that seems to be what Marvel's rolling with. And I'm not mm-hmm. exactly mad about it. And it definitely makes you interested for any potential Thor four or as guardians of the galaxy, yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> which is, a, which is like a team in the comic um, thread. So mm-hmm. um, interesting to see how that would work out. But I mean, like you talked a little bit about the mental health, like you do get a small development where, you know, he kind of cleans up at the end. He's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to like make that step out of my it's depression a little bit. Okay. But okay. So the good. scene that was kind of, and that's, it, it, see, I see what you're saying though. Cause this is a really heavy issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like obviously tra- uh, trauma and PTSD recovery. Like this is, these are real issues. So maybe it should be treated with a little more delicacy. Um, I would, you know, I, I would be interested to hear what maybe people who have experienced this would have to say about it. Yeah. Um, but for me, I kind of really appreciated that they made the whole thing funny. I thought it was hilarious when he basically got up drunkenly trying to recap Thor the Dark World. <laughs> yeah, and that was great. Like, everyone's like, That was really funny. Except for Paul Rudd. He was into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was. Yeah. My thing is like... I, by the end, like he, we did see a bit of growth, even if like, you know, he's staggering around drunk mm-hmm. for a lot of the film. So I, to me, it's like one of those, like almost like sad clown situations where it's like, you're, 
you know, he's a man that has like really deep feelings and that hides them. And maybe he's overacting for like attention a little bit where, you know, he's like leaning into this persona, the dude persona, which (laughs) Tony Stark calls him Lebowski at one point, which, Oh my God. Hilarious my shit. Because Jeff Bridges was the bad guy in the first Iron Man. Yeah. And also just the, I mean the, the appearance was like dead on. Oh yeah. The that. glass and glasses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, yeah. Well, and then, uh, you know, uh, so killing Thanos for me, it was like the whole movie left turn. I don't know what's going to happen. So then we use that to really, and we use that so they can really spin the first half of the movie after that. That was really a glorified prologue. Right. Really, really reckoning with the consequences of the snap. It, I love that because there was a snap and we lost half of the characters. We actually were able to focus more on the core group, specifically the original Avengers. I mean, yeah, there were some extras in there. You had Hawkeye show up and you had Nebula. Like you had those characters that were really important to the plot. Hawkeye's not an extra. He's a core. I mean, technically. I know, but he's an OG. He is an OG. He's a peripheral OG. He is. He does have, yes. I mean, I guess the film does start with him. Yeah. Opening opening shot. We're going to get into that here in a minute, more in a minute. But, uh, okay, fine. So we have Nebula (laughs) and Rocket Raccoon, you know, people who are just there for, I think, strategic plotting reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, it's nice. We get to see, uh, you know, Tony Stark and Iron Man. I love, okay. I love how they concluded that relationship because for me, Civil War was one of the more interesting films, though it's yeah. kind of it's it's got some problems. Uh, I did think the the conflicting ideologies seemed like a very organic and natural, inevitable collision that was going to happen based on the worldviews they had that they had expressed through their film, their individual films. So it was really again cr- incredible storytelling. I think one of the best benefits of the MCU is how you can build these characters up over time and then see them fight each other. So they never really in, in infinity war. They didn't really resolve the conflict. They were still broken up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they did not see each other in that last film at all. So to see like Tony Stark get back to earth immediately blame captain America. I was like, Oh, this isn't going to be a feel good. Like we're all over it thing, which I was super happy about. And they, they even go as far as like citing lines from the previous Avengers film. Like Tony Stark references that whole, I wanted to put a shield around the world, mm-hmm. you know, thing. And he said, and he's like, I was right, you know, basically. And then caps like, but we did it together. You know what I mean? Like it was, I love that. It was, I mean, it was sad, but like to see how these two guys kind of, for me, that was a, a really great way to resolve that. And for their separation over time, to when we jump to five years, you see that they're still at odds and not really don't totally like each other, but they're still kind of friends. I don't know. Just a really great way for that all to, to wrap up in a way that I found to be meaningful. Um, we get to see, you know, Bruce Banner goes, figures out how to come to terms with the Hulk. So he's united the personas. Yeah. Um, I was a little iffy on, he was just a particularly smug, arrogant Version character. Of yeah, it was yeah. just very odd for me. This is my fan theory. This is my fan theory why we had overweight Thor and we had uh, Hulk, um, unified Hulk, uh, Bruce Banner and Hulk, is because the internet uh, delight o- over calling Thanos daddy was so intense that they felt really uncomfortable. So they needed to make thick boy characters for bland girls to lust oh after. <laughs> so everyone feels comfortable. It's like, Oh, it's okay to like, to like want to get it on with the Hulk, with the Hulk because it's <laughs> because he's but not a like, bad guy. <laughs> could, we, we, could we not have given him back a little more screen time then? <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> This is what you get for having two girls on the podcast. Right, two girls on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a nice change of flavor. I, I appreciate it very much. But uh, yeah, internet uh, rabbit holes. 
So I found it to be interesting. I will say by I think it was a cool, fascinating way for them to take it. I will say the one thing that uh, I do love about the Hulk generally is that he's like a beast in a cage. So he's like mm-hmm. a, a an agent of chaos. Like he just comes in, you don't know what he's gonna do. So him being, you know, kind of him and Banner being one really took away that element. And we even saw it. They even made a joke about it in the movie. Whenever they go back to Avengers One, you see the Hulk, the real Hulk, just or the <laughs> Hulk of twenty twelve, just you know smashing everything. And then Banner's like, "Oh, look at me!" Ah, you know, it, yeah. I, it was kind of a nice way to nod at that. But I was like, "Yeah, we, but we're we're kind of missing the other big guy," you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's and there was a, there was a line about the brains and the brawny had joined in, but it's like I don't know if the arrogance was maybe coming from the Hulk side because we had I mean I don't know if we're calling is he officially Professor Hulk at this point or like <laughs> I don't know what he is, but we didn't really see a lot of the emotional like rage side of the Hulk. I mean he's always angry, so he wasn't particularly angry in this movie. No, it was weird. We like I felt like we spent a lot of we had lots of screen time of the Hulk and like. Black Widow, but it didn't feel like they were vibing or clicking or connecting with each other. And so then when we get that, and we're going to talk about, you know, her ending sequence, Hmm. but like, I felt like there wasn't, I thought he would be more upset about it. Like, (laughs) Um, I think everyone thought that about Black Widow's death scene. Um, I am so confused. Yeah. Well, she also got a movie announced recently. So I'm like, oh, they kill off. Now she's getting a prequel, I guess. Oh, she's getting a prequel. Well, she's getting a movie. Oh, theory. I think the working theory is that it's a prequel because now it's the only place it could happen. I mean, it's kind of nice because I was totally expecting uh, Hawkeye to die because with that knowledge, I was like, oh, yeah, well, obviously he's going to be the one to die because she's got a movie coming and then they killed her. I was like, oh, it was a fairly abrupt ending to her. Yes. Significant character development, even within like the first 30 minutes of this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was probably the most character development we've had of her. That's between. I mean, I will say this: the thing about her is she shows up in a bunch of movies. She's the best in Winter Soldier, and actually, some people are going to hate me for saying this. I think her stuff in Age of Ultron is really good, even mm. though that movie is not great. Questionable. Know. Questionable. That's fine. <laughs> Notice they just kind of like yeah, let go of the Hulk. Yeah, uh, they yeah. let go of that really. Yeah, hard. that was some just Whedon leftovers that I think Marvel didn't care much for, and honestly, probably for good reason. But I. Mostly, I liked the flash. I, I liked what Wanda did where he got in her head a little oh, bit. Oh, yes. That, that, I like, that part. I liked that part. That was basically about it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of sad to see her go because I feel like, we, we, we. I mean, she's a great character, but I feel like we still don't know her that well. Um, I feel like we got to know her the best in the first 30 minutes where you saw what 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 was her, what was she thinking about, about mm-hmm. the loss. And it tells us a lot about that character. So, um, yeah. I just... I, I don't know like what is holding me at arm's length to her, but I feel like like any of the female characters in Black Panther I have more of a connection with than I do with her. Like just as as interesting people, I, I don't know. Like I mean, I got misty, but I didn't like lose it. No, mm-hmm. I mean, I was you know, sad, but it I was sad. Like it was very sad, but I like m- I might have been more sad about Nebula being dropped off that cliff. Maybe Gamora. Sorry. Wrong sister. I might have been more sad about Gamora being dropped off. That I was more sad about Gamora being dropped off, but, but like, but how, but how much of that did you, was the arm's length? Did it work for her character? Because she's a spy. Like she's Mm, supposed to be the enigma. You're not really supposed to get a read on her and we get a better read on her as she's kind of letting go of that a little bit. So, and that's what makes her death 
so upsetting. Well, it's a, again, it's a it's bummer like because I think if she had even it. had just one movie for us to get some insights, that's kind of where I'm at. It too. would have like uh, it would have like changed our perspective on how she's processing all these events. But uh, you know, I think she almost got a little bit of a Josh Whedon treatment in this movie. Well, a little bit, and also she's well conspiracy theories about her getting hit really hard by people on social media. Lately. Anyway, I'm going to cut that. Um, you know, she's gotten from flat. She's made some career decisions that have oh, gotten her that. a lot of gotcha. negative yeah. PR lately mm-hmm. that oh, maybe yeah. Disney's not sad to let go of, but uh, uh, that's true. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's like so conspiracy theory. And I do think having more than just one death was important too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I was like, they're going to go to, it was really funny when they divided the teams up, you know, who's going to get what? And I saw they were... The I, saddest people go for the soul stone. Yeah, and I was like... <laughs> and, but they also have that old history together that you know of from the previous films that you've seen. They reference that they used to work together all the time. I was like, oh, one of them's dead. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I was like surprised that no, no, they didn't know that going in that they were gonna, one of them was going to have to kill the other or whatnot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so much stuff to cover, guys. Um, what was... So... Were the send-offs impactful for you? Uh, we'll we'll start Iron Man, and then we'll go to Captain America. Uh, we've already talked about Black Widow a little bit, so it seems like we're just kind of like, meh, on that one. Um, so the big one, Iron Man. I don't think we're surprised by any of this, by the way. This is the no. thing. I'm not surprised by this. The contracts no. were running up. I mean, no. Disney could always renew those. Yeah, they did that with Robert Downey Jr. previously. So it's not that they couldn't have brought it back, but it just felt like the time, especially for those two characters. So, um, uh, you know, end of the film, we have this epic battle. Everyone shows back up, and it, it was it, again great moment. Captain America is out there, basically by himself, and then you hear on your left, and I was like, "Oh, oh yes. crap!" And then all the portals just open up. God, like so, so it's much like full you know, body goosebumps, like in yes. that exact yes. second. Yes. You're like, "Oh my god!" Yes, and then they all just the Wakandan army shows up, and everyone. Oh man, just amazing moment. Wow. Uh, whole fight ensues. Uh, we get Peter and Spider Man, or sorry, Peter and Spider Man. Tony and uh, Peter Parker reunite. Yep. Yeah, get the feels in that one. Um, but this uh, this end leads to Tony Stark having to sacrifice himself. I like how he looks over at Doctor Strange. He said, "You said only one." And he's like, "I can't tell you because it won't it won't happen if I tell you what's going to mm. be." Yeah. And that's where you're like, "Oh, yeah, he's he's probably toast." He's toast. And but was that not? I feel like that was always his inevitable ending. Like, it's great that he got a kid and all of that. But Tony Stark's never a character that was particularly attached to life. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the idea with his character was um, flying the, 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 the flying the nuke into the portal in Avengers 1 really impacted him in a really right. deeply way. Like, we have to... The worst is coming. We've got to protect it. And then the, I think his arc has consistently been... An attempt to protect things, I'm actually making it worse, and then I feel bad about making it worse, but then he does it all over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's his, kind of his story since the Avengers 1. Um, yeah, him having a kid was an interesting turn of events, because I, when I was watching the film, I looked over, I said, oh no, they're going to want to, okay, time travel, oh no, he's not going to want to change things. Right. Yeah. Like, he's not, like, he's he actually came out of it good, or better, yeah. in a weird sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But seeing him die with the kid was a little more surprising because once he had the kid, I was like, I don't, I was like, okay, I guess he's probably okay. I don't know. But um, yeah, basically him, you know, stealing, somehow swiping the Infinity Stones and just seeing that whole, them like stream up the power, like go through his body. And he just says, I am Iron Man. 
perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that was a big deal in, in 2008. That was a big deal when he said that because at that time, you know, we were still playing by like an old school rules, like secret identities were really important at the time. So for him to like announce that to the world was, I mean, like a big moment for his character within the fiction, but outside of fiction, it's like, oh, wow. So we're going to have a superhero out there with no secret identity. This is just everyone knows who he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really liberated the types of superhero stories we could tell, I think, in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, so I don't know. I, I was moved um, mostly because that, I think that the, the send off was great. And I thought us being able to see him talk with his dad earlier in the movie via the time travel um, was really powerful. I teared up when he was oh, talking yeah. to his dad. He's like, no money, amount of money in the world could make up for like just a moment at the time. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, it, again, this is the only payoff that works because they'd set it up, uh, you know, in Avengers Infinity War or sorry, in, in uh Captain America Civil War, they have that scene at the beginning where he has meticulously spent billions of dollars trying to recreate this his, the last moment he's, he spent with his parents right. just so he could like change the outcome of how it, it went down as a sort of therapy. So you, you can just see how deep to the core that like his broken relationship with his dad impacted him. So lots of tears, lots of feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But do you guys think this was uh, uh, a, an effective send-off for Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, uh, the guy who started... The MCU, basically. I think it was. It was. It was a full circle ending, and I, I don't think there was really another way that they. There was no other way that they were going to end it. I yeah. don't think. Yeah, I think ending Tony Stark in martyrdom, and then whenever we have the funeral sequence, it's like proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Like again, that uh, that callback paperweight piece of the his original OG heart. I mean, just seeing all of that happen was great because it's like we're pushing that character to a place where in the beginning of Iron Man the first one where we don't think he's that type of person and then how much being a superhero has changed him and how much he's ready to like give it all for other people, which he wasn't that character 10 years ago. So I think in him ending in martyrdom, I think was definitely the way to go. Um, having touching moments with um, Pepper and Peter and you know, at the, at the end there. Pepper send off. She was like holding it together when she yeah. like, Oh man, Whew, that was rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this was a, yeah, the only way they could have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all knew that, it, you know, he wasn't going to be any more movies, but I wasn't sure exactly what that send off was going to look like. And I think this worked out really effectively, um, between scenes with his, his daughter, uh, scenes with his dad. And then, you know, the, just the, the, the self-sacrifice thing, I think was, uh, was really powerful. Uh, that takes us to captain America, Chris Evans. Uh, again, I just can't imagine a more perfect Captain America. No. You know, I I just read a profile from the Hollywood Reporter, I think it was from a couple months ago, just interviewing him. And it's just like he's a guy who doesn't really think of himself as this big moral stand, you know, like this big moral upstanding guy. He's like, I'm just an actor who does all this stuff. But on social media, he's been really um, like he feels like it's his duty to speak up as part of his like American duty as an actor, you know, right. or as a person to, to stand up and, and put his opinions out there when he thinks it's whenever he thinks it's needed. So for him to kind of take on the persona of Captain America in the movies, but also for a lot of folks out there, like this persona of like right moral trying to do the kind of classic Americana. I think he's, he's done a fantastic job and to see him also through the movie callbacks to Peggy Carter, you know, we saw her in the little picture. And then when he actually times travels back to the seventies, he sees her and you're like, Oh, yeah. yeah. Heartbreak. Can't be. But the second he stepped back in that time machine, I was like, oh, he's not coming back. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. He wasn't. Yeah. I honestly thought that that for me, if I had to pick, you know, ending out of um Cap and Iron um Cap and Iron Man who affected me the more, it'd probably be Captain America just because that 
Um, Tony Stark's ending was so perfect, but it's like if if his was so perfect, Captain's Captain America's was even more perfect in in a way. And just seeing a way for him to like he's passing the torch and he he got everything he could have wanted through all of the trauma and the strife and and the perseverance he did and he finally his it was like almost like he went to the afterlife in a way because he got to basically spend his entire life with his beloved who he thought he would never see again um that was really really beautiful it's powerful he spent his whole real life but it was like the afterlife yeah 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 yeah. No, that ending. That's the that's the ending that, that I bawling, wrecked me. Yes. Bawling. I'm like crying through the yeah. credits because and yeah. you know Marvel really kind of fed you that one the whole movie with all of the the bits of the appearances of the picture, the mm-hmm. bit in the seventies, yeah, you the whole time you're like, Yeah, he's gonna disappear, which was one of my like kind of working theories. So I'm like super happy that happened because this is that was a perfect ending for that character. And that was really when I tweeted about how like the movie ended, like I'm pretty much was only talking about that five minute span. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it's absolutely perfect. And you know, the, the ending that Iron Man got was that's the ending that really he deserves as a character. He was getting to martyr himself. Like he was fulfilling his character arc. Um, he got the bit with pepper and everything like that. But the, Ending for Cops America is the ending that every single fan out there wanted. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, and here's the thing. This movie's loaded with fan service. And Marvel has, you know, that's kind of part of their deal is they know their fans and they know how to give a fan service. But I'll be damned if I wasn't, if I didn't feel it. Like, and I didn't, I didn't, I felt like it was earned though. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the dude who literally, I mean, he went into the ice. He gave everything. I mean, the dude went to space. He went, traveled through time. Like, he beat Thanos, like, after you know what I mean like he's done it all mm-hmm. yeah and so I just the idea that he does get a chance to go back and live life I, I like how he and also kind of a nice nod to you know Tony Stark he's like well I decided to go back and live that life Tony was always telling me about you know yeah like um damn just really I mean emotionally powerful and to see him as like an old man on the bench sort of thing yeah oh god we get to just pass, pass the torch pass the torch, pass the torch oh, so to cool. Falcon and uh, Anthony Mackie the new Captain America do love me some Are they going to have to rename the um, Disney Plus show? Because it's right now, it's the working title is The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. I have thoughts on that, but <laughs> I think <laughs> that that's definitely the working title. Yeah. Uh, so The Adventures of the New Captain America or something like that, I'm yeah. sure, coming. And um, I just think that, uh, and also the closing shot of the movie is uh, Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter dancing in, to music in their home. See, getting all misty eyed right now. I mean, this is something that I kept thinking and talking about is like, okay, we just watched the culmination of 22 movies, CGI superheroes, people beating the shit out of each other, funny jokes and all this stuff. And the ending moment of this Epic is a character moment between two characters in like the 1950s where they're slow dancing in in their living room to a record. That's what ends it. Holy shit. Like that's an amazing way to kind of like punctuate and bring to life all of these character moments. It's like, it's not about the CGI and the spectacle, even though it's like a lot of it is about that it's about the character it's about right. the characters and what they can tell us about ourselves yes wholeheartedly agree yeah. wholeheartedly agree. And, what, and what captain america represents and i think one of the things i really love about uh, i mean what comic book characters have become is just they represent these larger than life ideas i captain america is this kind of like what did america see itself as like in the greatest generation and like yeah. what does that look like to and like dropping it into you know 20 the the early aughts, the mid aughts, 2010s, and the world's a lot different. And like, what does it mean to be an American? You yeah, know what I mean, and and like for them to incorporate that throughout the films, and I love how and that's why his relationship with Tony Stark is so interesting because Tony Stark is like 
pure Americana today. He's a rich billionaire playboy capitalist who had the world handed to him. He can buy whatever he wants, do whatever he wants. Cynical. Cynical as I'll get out. And I love that. Like it's just a great uh, contrast, you know, and he's very much a post 9-11, at least the the way they represent him in the films is very post 9-11. He's like, we've got to preemptively stop the bad guys. We got to stop it before it happens versus Captain America's more about, well, no, we can't do that. It's not the right thing to do. It's kind of dirty. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, mean, the fact that Tony Stark was like in the arms trade business, like that was his thing before like becoming, you know, Iron Man. And no, it's just like, it all very much smacks of smacks of that. And by a cap get reuniting back with Peggy, it's like we have just a sliver of, you know, of that kind of that time that e- maybe easier right. time that baby boomers and others like lust after right. it's yeah. well, but, but also like for him, he is a guy. He's also kind of represents the soldier. He's a guy who like went to war well, yeah, in the and ultimate war back. and he got any like, and he gets to go back home and live the life after the war sort of thing, which he is get, really sweet. It's, perfect beautiful 10 out of 10 yeah absolutely yeah and again who would have i i never would have guessed that the last no. shot of the movie would have been that no way. um so oof yeah super great the guys there's so much to talk about in this movie there's so much to talk about in this movie we're not going to get to all of it but i am going to talk about a couple more things <laughs> um was there any scene in particular that were your favorite scenes uh chelsea Ooh, yikes my favorite scene my favorite scene was outside of the peggy carter dancing in the living room shot um crying um was the money shot honestly like because it's just it was massive and you really felt the scale of the movie when it's captain america standing solo against thanos and his whole army it's like some straight up helms deep scale oh yeah like movie making here it's obviously like i mean the cgi was absolutely bonkers and then you have the circles opening up and they're walking out like that whole just piece like worked and like, yes, uh, it was, was my, great. that was it. One thing I want to throw on there too, is I think the, yes, the money shot was incredible, especially with Alan Silvestri's score. I've generally criticized, I have generally been pretty critical of scores. They, they did it this they, time. They, they, they landed did it, it though. They time. did. Like, I felt like that was an iconic moment. And I think the score really enhanced that scene oh, big yeah. time. But, uh, I want to contrast it to the end of infinity war, which I thought the Battle of Wakanda, the more I watch it, I've seen it like three times now, I, I hate it. Like, it's a mess. Like, I don't know where the characters are all at relative mm-hmm. to each other. Like, Thanos just shows up. I mean, like, it's all basically about people killing time so they can so like, sing at the Infinity Stone out of Vision's head. Which, by the way, Vision's probably the only character that I don't think is going to come back in any way based on this movie. Other than Iron Man. He, maybe. Has, a, he has a show. Is he on the show? Did, uh, wh- uh, what is it? It's called, um, oh, shoot. WandaVision? No, not WandaVision. I want it to be WandaVision just I, because that's so funny. I Ugh. think it is WandaVision. WandaVision. Okay. So he's getting a show. Okay, it's great. Because he's the only character who like didn't come back. And then nobody travel. acknowledged it no, either. <laughs> no. Unless it's a prequel. It could be set in the past. Uh, their adventures as they're trying to yeah. escape. Yeah. Could be their training know. sessions. I don't, I don't know. know. But in comparison to Infinity Wars Battle, though, like I, I just thought this, the CG looked worse. Like I had no idea what... Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the best action scenes, the best battle scenes is where you, you can map out, okay, here's where all these characters are at. And it's not that Marvel didn't do that, but the way it was edited, I had a the hard, every time I watched it, I have the hardest time understanding where everyone's at relative to everyone else. Yeah. And I felt, did not feel that way in the end game fight mm-hmm. at all, by any means. And like, I, in fact, I think it was actually really important that you, the audience, knew exactly where everything was at. So like, Spider-Man can like swing onto the... Moiner, you know what I mean? Like things like that. I, I felt like I had a better sense of everything was, and I thought this was just much better executed than as a as a sequence than the end of Infinity War. So uh yeah. Final fight. Incredible. Final fight. 
I think my thing in the final fight that was a favorite was that whenever all of the female Avengers assemble like that, that moment, um, just everyone you would ever want to hang out together is about to like throw down and kick some ass. And it was, and it was awesome because like for the longest time, it's really just been black widow all by her lonesome Mm -hmm. carrying the yoke of all of these, uh, you know, all of just being the so, seem, single female Avenger, and now it's like we have a whole passel of them, and we all are. So, did you like? I, did I you like it. that? Oh, I love that. I, like I, that. I, okay. I loved it the first time. The oh, second the, time, it felt it, it felt gratuitous. The second time, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not a woman, so I have no opinion. <laughs> but I will say it felt vaguely pandery. But I'm also not the people. It's pa- I don't have an it's opinion. It's like it's like I don't mind being pandered. I'll be to pandered to. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is a Marvel movie. This is all they do yeah. is pander to us. Right. So, right. I mean, I didn't have a crit- criticism. It was just like a weird thing. It's like, wow, this felt vaguely inorganic, but it also was kind of awesome. The so ladies, the ladies are going to get it done. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and it, now, and to your point, it's great to see like, yeah, the, w- finally have a women team. Like yeah, there's so yeah. many enough kick-ass women in the Marvel universe. Finally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also shout out to my favorite joke from the movie that it's America's ass. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. I'm sorry. I just like, I can't, uh, I thought I was, I couldn't keep laughing because I felt like I was disturbing other people and laughing over the rest of the dialogue. Well, it's a great, moment. great way to like p- poke fun at how bad the costumes from the first Avengers are. Cause that's one thing that movie looks, that movie, if you go back and rewatch it, one is still a fantastic movie Two, the costumes look like they're out of a TV show three. The, it looks like it's shot like a TV show. Now I'm not, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean to say, okay, the costumes are pretty bad. But the shot like a TV show is something I noticed, and that's not necessarily a criticism because in some ways it's more beneficial, but I definitely could tell a TV guy made that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not to knock it, not to knock it, because I don't think, I think the way TV shows are shot are different. It's a different art form, so I don't think it's necessarily worse, but it's compared to all the, the, the movies that come after it. You're like, and even the movies that came before it, you're like, this looks different considering yeah. we just watched a 22 episode season would it maybe it worked better yeah right <laughs> yeah. right 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 exactly. but yeah the costumes that movie was a great way to, to knock the, yeah. the costumes yeah. so cap versus cap yeah i like how we didn't even bother trying to explain anything because it wouldn't have mattered yeah well because like they already established loki blah 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 shapeshift whatever spooky stuff yeah. yeah um no that Which also, also loki made a couple of small appearances here that was great uh i, I love and by the way I find that the, the whole like grabbing the the cube and teleporting away mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the beginning of the uh, spinoff show that he's yeah. getting. Oh, the science it hurts my head. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into that, because uh, <laughs> I want to talk about that. So um, I did love the nod to like when they're up in the Avengers Tower. And yeah, seen- the Avengers Tower sequence in the New York in the past. That was like one of my favorite yeah. going in the past moments. Yeah. I think the only one I liked more was going back to the, the 70s. 70s. Yeah. The, uh, well, the Hail Hydra. Guys. That was great. That was, that was great. Great little moment. Yes. Oh, so Especially because, I mean, it was super referencing the current comic. Well, the current comic book. Where he says Hail Hydra. And he the fans, is Hydra yeah, in right. the comics right now. Or uh, was. Or was. I don't know. Did Somewhere they in the. Con that to say he was brainwashed or something? I can't remember. Possibly. I don't know. I just know I have a lot of friends who are very, very, very angry about it. And, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't. Fact, yeah. I, uh, anyway, I, ha- I don't have an opinion on it. Um, I don't know enough about it to talk about it. But I know that apparently it's part of a lot. At least when it happened, it was part of an ongoing thing. I don't even know if it's still happening. Yeah. Either way, it was super fan servicey to the oh, comic book fans. That's totally. what it was. But also fan servicey to the movie fans because yeah. it was he said that in the elevator full of literally the exact same dudes who did that in uh Winter Soldier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same and you're like uh, you're like, "Oh, 
Oh, I've been here before. We know what's yeah, about to they, happen. They did a great job yeah. at the deja vu moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just dropping the hail hydra to the mm-hmm. those two guys was, was, was good stuff. Uh, gosh, yeah, I don't know if I have a, a favorite scene other than Tony Stark and his dad. That was that really got me. I know dad parent issue stuff is you know a soft spot, but it just it really hit. It really hit deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I did uh, I mentioned earlier I really did. A, love the kind of initial meeting they had when Tony Stark got back about how they're all pissed off at each other. I don't know. That's all drama, but it was really good. Like yeah. I just, that was, I was like, Oh, the consequences of making f- mistakes. Yeah. Um, okay. So time travel, we have to talk about it. Yeah. So firstly, there was a lot of speculation online that there was going to be time travel involved. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. time stone, it made sense. I wasn't sure if they were going to take that route. I mean, I knew it'd probably play a factor somehow. But whenever they go full fucking back to the future, I was like, all right, all right, I'm here but for it. But not, remember, Caleb, they that, made moments. No. They wanted you to know. That, not back to the future. That, that, no, but, uh, okay, so here's where it breaks, that's where it breaks down, Alex, right yeah, there. This is not back to the future, but yet we're going to deploy back to the future esque tactics and not explain them. Um, listen, I don't, here's the thing about time travel, and I actually think this movie generally does a pretty good job. Unless there are two ways to do time travel. One is you just do it and don't even try to explain it. Yeah. Like it's magic. It's magic. Um, the other is you have it has to be a core mechanic to the movie that you do, you you have to explain because if it is a core mechanic to your movie, then it's really essential that the audience knows how the rules works. And I'm not talking. I've already, guys. I've spent way too much time in my life arguing about how time travel could work because <laughs> it doesn't exist. But. Um, like, I'm not talking about, like, what logically makes sense. I, every story can have its own version of time travel. That's what it's there for. It's not the about the science. The logic needs Ex- to make sense. Exactly. I don't care if it makes no, like, scientific sense. Because yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, This movie makes the misstep, kind of like Game of Thrones, actually, where they try to tell you just enough for it to not make sense. Yeah. Like, it, they lay ground. They go out of their way to say, oh, no, it's not like Back to the Future. They go out of their way to, like, kind of explain some of the rules a little bit. But then the movie does not hold together based on those rules in any way. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't really care because I was having so much fun. But I do think like it's one of those the more I thought about it afterwards, I was like, that makes no sense. Like, for example, we know a new Spider-Man movie is coming in which he's with the same classmates. And in this movie, we see him reunite with his old buddy from. So I'm like, did they all snap? Did they all disappear for five years? Like and then just show back up Um, or like uh, when. There's just a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense when you start really thinking about the, both the time time gap and also like Thanos coming back in the past. Wouldn't that disrupt his future? Like it just the second he comes back in the past, you would undo them. The, the second he spoil super duper duper spoil. Um, the second he dies, the 2014 version dies in 2019. Yeah, what happens to 2015, 2016, right. etc. Right. They can't just put him back. It's no. not like the, it's not like the the stones. They can they can theoretically just go drop back in time. Them killing him, huge ramifications. Um, or even uh, Steve Rogers going back in time for Peggy. Peggy marries some other dude. Yeah, yeah. like she has kids. Like so, potentially could alter the future of Shield by doing that, which yeah. would potentially alter the future that exists in the universe. Or the future that, yeah, that brought him back in that y- Yes, moment. correct. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is if you think about it for more than five seconds, it falls apart. Yes. But, and which is normally fine. Like I said, as long as the problem is they try to tell you enough, but they don't, they don't tell you enough. Yeah. And then they don't follow, the, the logic does not hold, 
together if you follow the logic they the things they did give you. Yeah. So it's like I would have rather them explained less or more. And I will say it was a core mechanic of the movie. So I'm leaning more in toward to yeah, one or the other. It's got to be one or the other. Yeah. It has to be it has to be magic or it has to be like there has to be a a, a very solid logic that's very clear. Yes. So, I don't know. Cuz we, we we had a very like def- I mean, we had a very defined discussion in the movie not even just from like the how the science of it all works, but like from the mystical side of it. When I mean, we had Tilda Swinton's ancient one show up and say, "If you remove this time stone, it creates this extra timeline." Which Marvel's operating under a singular, like a singular timeline right now. So, like we had a pretty decent discussion about how the mechanics of the whole thing works, and they just completely kind of ignored it, except for in yes. regards to the stones. Yes, no, yeah. no, 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 no exactly. Like, it'll be fine as we long as we put them back where they go. Right, right, and uh, yeah, that's exactly. And here's the thing, like, but that's not true because Loki teleports out, so again, that's going to change everything, right? So theoretically, Loki never, inc- yeah. Anyway, that's none of that holds true. Are um, all the Asgardians back? Yeah, Asg- yeah, exactly. Ben, Ragnarok, right. like what? Yeah, <laughs> it, that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it totally falls apart. Like if you really think about it, I'm willing to overlook that because I think the, because uh, the benefit is by having time travel in the story. And the th- reason I like time travel as a general plot device is because it allows for a lot of incredible character moments and a lot of, uh, especially for character closure Dad, you know, Peggy, mm-hmm. Peggy, Steve, uh, Howard Stark, Tony Stark, for example, there's a lot of, or even the idea of you like the old cat. Or you get, well, that's the other thing. Yeah. Gamor- she's, she's 2014. Universe. She's Gamora. All yeah. Gamora yeah. And she can't get, so I guess she she's can't get back. Uh, do we ha- now have two Nebulas now? Nebula, other Nebula, Nebula died. died. But, she, but it was Nebula 2014 died. Nebula died. So why did 2019 Nebula die? Not disappear. disappear. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See? Right. See, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. My thing is like, I just had to like, Write it all off as like, okay, they're going in, sorry, I had to write it all off as them going in different alternate time streams that are like, there are three like multiple parallel universes that we're going to A's 2014 New York and B's. 1970 and C's blah 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 so all of this doesn't fuck each other but like they don't ever say that or acknowledge that or say that that's real uh, but that's how I had to justify it to myself because yeah this stuff with like especially Nebula killing her past self and the fact she just doesn't disappear mm-hmm. um, well and also I mean it really I, I think it's funny that Thanos is basically Biff he has the sports almanac a, you know aka 2019 Nebula like yeah. he has all this information in his fingertips about learning all this stuff and we don't know how long he it's not really clear how long he has that information so theoretically he has most of the knowledge of 2019 uh Thanos that he brings back to him, which actually I think makes him more, that's why I think it makes him even more compelling in the end. I love that line is I am inevitable. Like that's I am, the, I am the end of all realities. I was like, shit, that is, that is in, in the fact that he, this is a good point. I'm glad we went down here because it's like, it brings up the stakes because that was one concern going into the movie. We all agreed, like coming out of the movie, we know it's going to be reversed in some way, shape or form. So how do you maintain tension and stakes throughout this movie? If we know it's going to be undone anyway, because right. so-and-so has a movie and this person has a show, blah, blah, blah. Well, I thought it did a great job. Whenever we get to that climactic battle, it's like, no, it wasn't personal before, but I'm going to fuck up your planet and I'm going to erase everyone. And we're you're not even going to like not know that the other people died because that right. was the big problem is that everyone's like the rebel and the you know rebellion of trying to get everyone back. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a great way of ratcheting up stakes to make it feel like, 
oh shit, what if he wins again? He's not obviously, but like, what if, you know, but like, for it him, could be worse. For him, though, yeah, no, for him though, it was last time it was not personal. It was yes. just part of his mission. This time he's like, it no, is. I freaking hate humans and I hate earth. I'm yeah. going to eradicate this thing. Yeah. From, yeah. Eradicate everyone and all of their memories. Yeah. No, I, I, the whole, the whole science of it is just absolutely crazy. And it, it undermines the science within it and also undermines the science like in our world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Marvel has gone to great lengths to explain like, all these movies happen in the year that they were made, except for these movies, because like Spider-Man homecoming has the weird time jump. Yeah. And now we have this weird time jump in this movie that technically is 2023, so but the nebula has a timestamp of 2019. So is it really five years later? Ooh, I, didn't I don't know. Oh, I didn't catch that, that one is either. A plot so hole. they yeah. have like undermined their own external explanation of the timelines. Oh man, I didn't catch that. That's a great plot hole, Chelsea. Like, the, oh, the 2019 timestamp did not catch that, but you're yeah. right. They do say it was 2019. They do. Oh man. Yeah. Cause like, even though she was on a spaceship for a lot of that, like, yeah, it, I mean, it's no reason why her internal computer clock mm. wouldn't have kept updating. Yeah. Mm. So, ooh. so, uh, one thing I want to talk about here, get into the thematics of it a little bit. We've already talked about how poor the time travel was uh, implemented here, even though I still, uh, even though overall, I think the, the benefit of the time travel was way greater than the, yeah. the, the how well it breaks the story. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you don't care because it's rule of cool. It works. Rule of cool, and it leads us to really, really uh, very um, uh, powerful character moments exactly. that feel very satisfying. Yeah. So, uh, but I will say another theme in this movie that I so really caught me off guard was uh, parentage and parenthood, both playing really big roles. Uh, and I just wanted to get you guys' take to see if you th- uh, what you thought about how, how this movie might be kind of what it might be saying about parenthood uh, or maybe parenthood as it relates to the entire MCU. I mean, you've got Hawkeye and his family. That's the opening scene of the movie, which again, very surprising opening scene. I think a really effective way to remind everyone what happened and what's, what was at stake. Um, Nebula and Thanos, Thor and his mother Frigga, that came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Stark and Howard Stark, Tony Stark and Morgan Stark, and then you have Scott Lang and his daughter. So I think this is, a, this is something you see pretty consistently throughout the film. Uh, more so, and, and, and you know, obviously they, everyone's got parents, but they go out of their way to like have these really uh, meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Did you guys have any thoughts on that? I don't think I'd really thought about that one yet. Yeah. I think it has a lot of... Why is it trying? I can throw you something too. Mm. Why don't you go first? Well, I was just thinking something that I mean is like, is it saying maybe like, hey, parent, this is we're we're passing this down. Like we've this is the world as we've made it, and I'm passing it down mm-hmm. to the to the next generation. I mean, both with Thor, his mom, who's about to die literally yeah. that day. I mean, you have uh, I mean Tony Stark kind of passing along the Avengers, passing off the world to his daughter, even. Um, this kind of this idea of legacy, mm-hmm. uh, which I think it, where also works for a transition film where the next Avengers iteration is going to be wildly different than what we've had before. Um, so I kind of I, I see this passing of the torch a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, yeah. just, it was something I've been I've been stewing on because I feel like they go out. I mean, it just happens so much in the, in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Going out of their way to say like other another thing I thought that was really touching was in the Frigga Thor scene, like the fact that it's. Thor is a god of thunder and he's from Asgard and he's yeah he's a big powerful guy and all it all he wants at one point is like to just talk to his mom like it's kind of another one of those moments that reminds us how human we are it's like even though we're all adults and we're all growing up it's like 
at the end of the day, sometimes all you want to do is like talk to one of your parents and like have like a kind of a moment or a hug with them. And it's, and it's kind of like a, one of those things where it's like, it's a, it's like almost okay to like want that kind of comfort that only a parent can bring or a family can mm-hmm. bring. Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting aspect of it. Yeah. I think it, the parent aspect, I think, just tied into the the larger emotional stakes of the film for each character that we were seeing these interactions because like Scott still had Cassie. Mm -hmm. Tony didn't want to lose Morgan in like the whole potential redo of the timeline. And so I think that the parent aspect and the handing it down was just just tied it into the greater, like we needed to feel for these characters Mm -hmm. before the end of the movie. Okay. So that's a good way to establish that. What's Mm -hmm. at stake is parents or children. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the theme that I think this ties more largely to the entire MCU that I want to bring up. And I, I am not going to take credit for this idea. I got it from David Elreich from IndieWire, but kind of breaking down like the consistent theme of the entire MCU up to this point. And one thing that he brought up that I thought was really powerful was the, how the the entire universe really is a reflection of, uh, you know, again, what makes us human and what makes that beautiful. Uh, if you look at um, imperfection, I would say, the idea imperfection trumps perfection. Uh, because, uh, you know, you have characters like um, Ultron, who is Tony trying to build a security force to protect the planet. And the only way that Ultron, at his logical conclusion, is the only way to protect humans from the world is to eradicate them because they're their own worst, worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Thanos who literally wants to annihilate half of life because humans are the ones who are, you know, using the life, life is consuming resources. Therefore we must minimize it. Um, I think it's, a, and it's really powerful to see like how these characters consistently mess things up throughout. Like it's, it's, um, even when they're trying to do the right thing, that's like Captain America and, and Civil War. I mean, it's arguable, I guess that, that that was a debate. But I mean, it's pretty clear to me, like rewatching the film, that he was not necessarily all in the wrong, but he makes a lot of big mistakes in that movie. Um, you know, or I, I mean, Tony Stark is literally a mistake after a mistake after a mistake every movie. So like, how you know those failures and those missteps are actually part of what makes these characters who they are and defining and and may, and, and allows us to really uh, relate to them. Um, I think, I don't know, it's really kind of a really good, I mean, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is basically the way I look at it, is I don't know if these are the best movies. I mean, I, I've already seen people on, on Twitter already saying Oscar-worthy, and I'm like, eh, no. What? No. no. Calm your titties. I, I know, and I'm just like, I'm not ready for this, because that's usually what makes me not like them as much as people saying stuff like that. But, but I mean, these are powerful, these are blockbuster films that I think encapsulate a lot of what makes our culture what it is it's a snapshot of our culture tells us a lot about ourselves a lot about what we go to for you know entertainment and escape um, and I and I think that this is a uh, a tapestry this whole thing is a giant tapestry with each movie kind of adding a little more to it but I think the larger narrative that the tapestry is trying to communicate is that like there is beauty and, and in fact the the thesis of uh, Ultron, uh, as given by Vision at the very end of the film, one of my favorite moments of that whole film is when uh, Vision confronts Ultron, is, you know, just because it doesn't, uh, you know, beauty doesn't last forever. Just because it's, it doesn't last forever doesn't make it, you know, it, it keep it from being beautiful. Like, the, the, the humans are very flawed, depraved beings who make consistently make mistakes and are constantly at odds with ourselves. And um, I think these movies have done a really good job kind of articulating how we can work together to overcome those things, which I think is really beautiful. And also how to like take peace in the fact that we're all kind of broken people, creatures, things. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, how much of that is 
Marvel really honoring the vision of Stan Lee and all of the original creators of these characters where like you have DC and you have Superman, you have these like really heightened characters that are essentially gods within their own universe. But the Marvel characters are, have always been particularly accessible in terms of emotional range and experiences. And so I think that a lot of that is Marvel in terms of the studios has done a really great job of being able to translate all these other decades of work of making sure that characters are relatable to society and the cultural touchstones. Like they've really done a great job in making sure that that's translated into the movies as well. Yeah. One thing that I think is really interesting. I think your DC counterpoint is really fascinating is because like, it's almost like comparing different religions almost. Cause like every lot, religion much different. Yeah. Yeah. Every religion has their own mythos and like, you know, the Greeks and Romans, they're looking at their gods as like really just overpowered, fucked up versions of themselves. And like, they all have the same problems that we do, which is very similar to what we're seeing here as opposed to kind of like this Judeo Christian theme, what we may see in DC, especially with Superman, who he's struggling with a whole different bucket of problems dealing with, you know, all of his, his powers and like what he has to do is his responsibility as earth protector and blah, blah, blah. Like, and I think that's such an interesting contrast to both of those things. It's like how like these two different groups and other kind of franchises along the way, it's like exploring different themes of what it is to be human and fail and fucked up, like explain, exploring all of those in their different, different ways. And Marvel has, like you said, Chelsea has always been extremely accessible in in finding kind of that beauty in imperfection about being the best version of you or your superhero of choice that right. you can be. Well, and also how these people who are very broken in different ways aren't always going to get along. Like, I mean, you know, you, you look at Iron Man and Captain America and how these, these are and inevitably these are conflicting worldviews based yeah. on their own brokenness and, and life experience. Um, but like at the end of the day, they can work together to overcome the challenges in front of yeah. them. So I don't know. I think it's really great. I think I love that you brought up the, the mythology. Cause I really do look at superheroes films as modern, I mean, modern mythology. Yeah, you know what I mean? We're going to look back. I mean, this is 11 years of filmmaking. This is a history. I mean, obviously it's all fictional, but I mean, I think in the same way, these stories of the Greek gods and the Roman gods, uh, were, were documented history that we can look back on. I think that's going to be kind of part of what, whatever history is left of this world. One day, I think this is a thing. People, yeah. were, these are going to be up there with the Greeks and the Romans. I know that sounds like really, I don't think it's excessively hyperbolic. Like, I mean, yeah. it's definitely, you can take a slice of any kind of cultural touchstone and see what we're thinking about and discussing at the times. And especially if you have 22 films, 11 years worth of content, like that has been produced, like not even just like based on only the films, but like the shows. And of mm-hmm. course the comics themselves, like that's something that if a, if a cultural anthropologist 3000 years in the future was looking back on now i think you know that i would at least be something worth noting at least in a footnote right (laughs) at least a footnote yeah (laughs) at least a footnote uh okay well uh, i think i got obviously there's a there's a lot there's so much so much we didn't talk about guys we could literally talk about this movie for the length of the movie easily (laughs) easy uh if we wanted to get into the specific moments but uh overall uh i think you guys have any closing thoughts i just uh before we close out the show today chelsea i think that it really is a testament to the entirety of this movie. Like the escapism is one factor, but we talked about, we went an hour and a half talking about this and we have not once talked about how cap was worthy of wielding. Those oh shit. Right? How, I mean, like, yeah, it's just a testament to how much how, like jam packed this movie is with moments of like both, um, 
you know, fan service, but also just character development that you're seeing all these characters really realize their full potential. And one of those moments was, you can't believe it. It was just uh, a floor. Like, yeah, uh, this movie, yeah, this movie is again just to reiterate. That's one of several like just rousing, crowd pleasing moments where everyone just loses their mind. Yes, lost it, lost it. That was incredible, by the yes. way. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just thinking about it now. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Alex, anything else you'd like to add? Oh golly. Well, I'm. I have to say that I'm really excited to see where is next. I mean, there's no no real post credit scene. There's that little Easter egg at the very end. Um, someone said it was. Iron Man, Iron Man Iron working, working on his suit. suit. Yeah. In the okay. Cave. In the cave. So it's like With the box of scraps. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's a cool little moment. But the fact that we don't have a post credit stinger, the world feels so much more open. It does, it feels like we got a sense of closure. There's no big next time on Marvel cinematic universe. Like, I mean, it's, it's, this is it for mm-hmm. right now. And I really much, I really enjoy that. I'm very excited about the future brings, especially as Guardians of the Galaxy, my man. Oh, I'm so excited about that. But. And James Gunn's coming back. Oh, that is. too. Oh. Wait, I mean, there was no post credit, but like we kind of referenced a little bit earlier, Spider-Man closes out the Phase Three technically, so oh. we're gonna get a little bit of a post credit movie. Movie yeah, that's yeah. gonna be like how how was this world post right Infinity, Infinity Saga? War, Infinity Saga. Yeah, no, I think that's great, and that's something they've done. They did with I think Ant Man the Wasp, but kind of mm-hmm. rounded out Phase Two, or yeah. sorry, no, Ant Man One, not Ant Man the Wasp. But yeah kind of rounded out that it's like a, kind of a palate cleanser before whatever comes mm-hmm. next and i also love that we don't and i hope they kind of maintain this i'm kind of glad we don't know the rest of the slate for the next like three years yeah because it's just more fun not knowing i mean obviously Absolutely. we'll get the trailers when they're ready and maybe having some idea that we'll get a sequel for certain of these movies but there's like five or six movies in the works that we don't really know about like what those are going to look like and i'm just like hey that's great that's that's fun it's been a minute since we've had a i think a marvel appearance at comic-con um so we might we might see them this year with a, a slate release d23 maybe mm, i mean yeah. I, I think we can expect an announcement here yeah. pretty okay. quick all right yeah my la- the last thing i just want to say about this film and alex you, you touched on it so i don't want to reiterate be too repetitive but my biggest problem with the mcu is that it consistently feels like it's never ending and because of that characters they grow, but then they Re- have a reset point. Yeah, there's a it's reset just like point. It's it's each it's, episode of Star Trek. It goes back to that idea, the uh, the illusion of change. And I've had a debate with some friends about this recently, so I want to get into it. But St- Stanley at one point said that comic books is about the illusion of change, whether he stuck with it or not, it's another story. But the idea that you 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 create a story, you put a story out there that makes you feel like it changed, but it really didn't. Um, and there have been a lot of points in the MCU where I didn't feel like we got that or i felt bait and switch i remember captain america civil war i walked out saying holy shit it's never gonna be the same after that and i mean but then there's like the the the, kind of the oh then he mails tony a phone and and then you know i I do think there was a little more there but i would say it wasn't the the it didn't change the universe in the way i expected it to you know initially when the way i felt like it would because at the end of the day there is like to, to to maintain keep telling these stories. There has to be a certain consistency and a, a for it to remain accessible for a lot of folks, right? And I think the last two films have kind of thrown that out the window, which is great. This film in particular, I feel like it paid off on all those things, and it really did um, remedy a lot of the issues I've had for the MCU uh, MCU over the years. It feels like it was all worth it. Like mm. twenty two films, worth it. Like yeah. even though there was times I was frustrated, I felt like they were samey. But all of it led to this really powerful thing that I, I feel like was just the, uh, the the perfect climax and conclusion to all of it. And it kind of makes the whole journey feel like it was worth it the whole time, which 
I don't know. Even though I think it's kind of a messy mo- movie, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and there's there's issues with it. Yeah, sure. But at the end of the day, walking out of something you've invested in for eleven years, feeling really good about it, that's something special. Yeah, and I'm absolutely. not sure we're going to get that again. Uh, at least <laughs> anytime soon. Anytime Maybe soon. In the next decade, we'll be forty. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, Sunday afternoon emergency recording. Uh, this Love all it. came together very fast. Yep. Threw so. up the Avengers signal since I don't know if that's Avengers a thing. Assemble. Avengers yeah. Assemble. I just said it really loud. You yeah. two showed up. Yes, so, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, so first and foremost, Chelsea, where can people keep up with your work online? Yeah. So you can follow my blog at geekgirlfeatures.com or you can follow me on Twitter for a healthy dose of movies, politics, all kinds of fun stuff um, at cinephile underscore Chels. Excellent. Alexandra? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex V. Brohannon, B-R-O-H-A-N-N-O-N. You can also find me on The Cinematropolis where we talk film scores um, on soundtrack. Of course, we've got our film composer series that we're, uh, interview series that we're still working on and um, that's that's that. A lot of fun stuff. A lot yeah. of fun stuff. Yep. Uh, and of course, you can find me uh, tweeting about all the things uh, at C Masters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk. And of course, right now, it's nothing but Game of Thrones stuff. Uh, you know, we're in the... His we're other... The- his other life his other child yes my other child uh you can go hear me talk at length about game of thrones uh on my podcast the cast beyond the wall at cast underscore beyond underscore uh, got or you know and you can even bypass the twitter and just go subscribe uh we're on apple Podcasts, google play any of your preferred podcast uh apps and spotify spotify is great for podcasts check it out if you're a big spotify user um uh yeah you can find me in those places i'm also on instagram at cmaster talk as well and if you want to keep up with all of our work at the cinematropolis you can head on over to the cinematropolis.com or on twitter and instagram at the cinematrop and on facebook at facebook.com forward slash cinematropolis all the plugs all the time yep we did it um ladies thanks so much for joining us today oh thank you you're welcome we will talk we will uh, listener thank you so much for tuning in to our uh review and thoughts on uh avengers endgame uh we can't wait to talk to you again there's a lot of cool movies coming out this summer we got a john wick movie got a detective pikachu movie we got a we got a we got a movie from 1993 called the lion king that's back in theaters uh yeah dear Uh, yeah um so (laughs) it's so much oh and there's aladdin yeah man all the all the and that's this summer too yeah that's amazing holy guacamole yeah but disney's going to they only have one original property this year Artemis Fowl Artemis Fowl oh that makes me feel original yeah it's a young adult it's a young adult novel adaptation I loved the books as a kid I I read like the first three of those yeah like a long 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 time time why is that coming out now it's been in production hell forever okay All right. right. Uh, Kenneth Branagh also directed that so anyway uh, full summer full of great movies so uh, we hope you'll check them out stick with us and we'll catch you again next time 